0: Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL Leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Biskin. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. On this week's episode, we welcome John Franco to the show. Before we get to this week's episode, I want to thank my sponsors, Synchrony HR, NWO IT Services, Go, Brand Go, Enterprise Bank and Trust, Edward Jones, and the Tom James Company. And now this week's episode with John Franco. Franco, welcome to the STLers podcast. I appreciate you joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here. Absolutely. Well, we uh, we met at the St. Louis Small Business Monthly uh, Top 100 People to Know in St. Louis luncheon, and I heard your story from uh, from that lunch, and I immediately reached out to you because I wanted to I wanted to share your story with my audience here on the podcast. So I really appreciate you taking the time to come on.
1: I'm happy to do it. I. Um, I, really, it's an it's an honor to be here.
0: Well, let's kind of start really uh, about kind of you, I guess. Let's start about growing up uh, and what led you to really start your business. Girl of seventy six.
1: Yeah, so I, I I grew up in a middle class family in a very blue collar town in, in Granite City, Illinois, surrounded by really great family, uh, great friends learn the importance of ethics and values at at a very young age and you know i I think one thing about i i played sports and and i always was kind of in a leadership position in sports Uh, as point guard on the basketball team as a quarterback football team center fielder and shortstop on the baseball team so I, i i think I just was kind of one of those people that I needed to, I, I did not do well, not in a leadership position. Um, I did not do well taking orders from others, I, I, it, it, which, which is a major fault. I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's, it's something that is very important to be able to do, but I, I, I wasn't great at it. So anyway, I, I kind of grew up, had an interest in writing, went to journalism school, in the journalism school in Mizzou, I learned that the advertising, there was this thing called advertising, and there were these people called copywriters. And so that kind of registered for me as something I, I would find interesting, and, and I loved it, and I became a total geek about it. And pretty soon after graduating, I, I graduated in 05, and, and we started Gorilla in 2006. But basically, right after graduating, my my current business partner and I, we, we just we're doing like spec ads together, just doing print ads for fun, like just to continue to build our portfolio. And, and then we started doing them for money for local businesses, like freelance work. And then the freelance work grew to where it was just more and more and more. And, and we were making more money outside of work than we were making inside of work. So in, in 2006, we, we quit our jobs and, and launched Gorilla full time. And and we, and we sense, a, you know, I think something that ties back to kind of how I grew up and, and the type of, um, uh, a reflection of the town. I grew up in a, a blue collar town. Our, our industry, our company focuses on the manufacturing space. And I think a lot of that was just because of some of those initial connections I had of people who were willing to throw to, uh, I guess, 23 year old guys at the time, a, a couple projects to work on. And a lot of them were in the, you know, kind of in the industrial space. And naturally that work led to more work in the space. And, we ended up specializing in it, in it, and here we are today.
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I actually grew up in Edwardsville, Illinois. So, yep. I know. Oh, well. I, I know Grant City real well. Uh, graduated from Arizona High School in 2004 and played golf. And so we yep. play golf against Grand City High. So um, you're right. Grant City is a is a blue collar town. You got you know obviously U.S. Steel is there and Grant City Steel back before that, and it's a big yep. steel steel town. So understanding you you know. Um, catering to the manufacturing space would obviously make sense. But tell us some more about the organization. Tell us about Grilla 76 and what you guys do.
1: Yeah, so we're, we are the industrial marketing agency. Uh, we help B2B manufacturers grow through revenue-focused marketing programs. We were founded in, like I said, 2006. Today, we're 22 people and growing. Um, when I look at the team, I kind of my focus, my business partner's focus is on the sales and marketing of the organization. I, I cross that line a little and help out a little there. And then he also kind of comes over and helps me out with my, my main focus is on building the team and kind of the culture of our company. And when I, when I look back at what I'm most proud of to date, I think I look at the team we have and, and the core values we have of, uh, results, improvement relationships, kindness, inclusivity. And and I look at this team of 22 people and every single person embodies every one of those core values. And I think that when you ask me about Gorilla, like, yes, I'm going to tell you we're the industrial marketing agency and we help B2B manufacturers grow through revenue-focused marketing programs. But then the next thing I'm going to tell you about is the team we have. And, and it's just the most talented bunch of people I've ever worked with.
0: Well, no, I think, you know, the team is, I an I'm an HR, so, right? So team is yep. obviously very, very it's everything. Yeah, a lot of people don't think about that. They think about what they do, but it's the people that work for you that do what you do, right? It's, they're the the key to the organization. So I think that's cool that you recognize that. You know, I wanted to chat about something that obviously changed your life here. uh, And I don't exactly know when this happened to you. So you got to forgive me for that, but- No, that's fine. Yeah, talk to us about when you learned about having MS and how that kind of impacted your life. And then we're going to talk a little bit about what you've done to kind of still uh, continue to live.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So January 15th, 2016, probably about 8.07 a.m. I can remember it as clear as day. I can remember what the doctor was wearing. Uh, I was told I had multiple sclerosis. Uh, I was a 33-year-old male, single, on this marketing agency. Kind of one of those things where like, I'm at the pinnacle of my life. Not that being single is being at the pinnacle of your life. I didn't mean it like that, but I'm just saying <laughs> I, I was young and like things were I don't know, I felt like I, I had the world by the tail and, and all of a sudden this news is given to you. And admittedly, I didn't know a ton about MS at the time. I had started to research it because it was, it was something that was on the table as a possible diagnosis. And I just knew it was bad. I knew it, it likely involved a future of, and again, not that there's anything wrong with this, but it likely involved the future of wheelchairs and um, um, just things you don't want at the age of 33 yeah uh so you know it it took me it was probably a good six months to a year I always like when I when I kind of mentor people who are recently diagnosed now I always tell them like the next six to twelve months are gonna be hell and then you learn to kind of accept it and you learn how to live with it and you learn how to get the best things out of it and you just live your life it just becomes part of it just like I don't know like taking a multivitamin is part of your life or like Taking a shower or going for a run becomes part of your life. It's just one of those things you you live with and you learn how to deal with it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, talk to us about how it changed your life, and I want you to talk about the the specific uh, run that uh, you did uh, and raise money for MS. Talk to us about that.
1: Uh, you know, how's it changed my life? I think if I had to put it in two words, it's it's live intentionally. It's 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 things like don't put off that trip you want to go on. Don't don't. Don't wait to do things that, that you've always wanted to do. I, it, it, that that's that's been probably the if I had to boil it down, that's probably one of the biggest things. Um, I, I've kind of learned that through this process. As, as I've talked more about my diagnosis, others have come to me, and I well, a I'm shocked by how many people have MS that I had no clue I had, and that's what I've known right. for a long time or it might be something else, right? Totally different. It might be Crohn's disease. It might be diabetes. It might not have anything to do with a medical uh, struggle at all. And it could be totally something that is just a, a personal thing. Uh, but you know, adversity can have a thousand faces. Um, and I think learning that everyone is dealing with something like that has been a big epiphany for me. Sure. I think it's made me a better listener. I, I A lot of things. It's improved. One of the biggest things it's done is it's gotten me more active. I've become I. So about six to twelve months in, I can't remember exactly what happened. I believe it was summer, but I, I, I tried to learn as much as possible. A lot of people will tell you when you get a medical issue, look, don't Google it. I actually think you should Google it and. Once you know what it is, you shouldn't just go Google your symptoms because any symptom in the world, you're going to find out you're dying. (laughs) Thanks to Dr. Google. We've all been there. Oh yeah. Once you know what you're up against, you know, it's like, no, it's like playing sports, right? Like when you were golfing or when I was playing the sports I played, like you want to know everything about the other team you're facing as much as possible. And I, I would, I would just go down rabbit holes for days and just reading and reading and reading. Well, anyway, long story short, I was deep in my, my neurologists, which we're really lucky here in St. Louis. We have a ridiculous, ridiculous, uh, and well, just medicine in general, especially MS. I have, I, I see Dr. Singer at, at Mobab, he, He's exceptional. And I was in his Twitter feed and I was just deep, deep in the, deep in the, the rabbit hole of, of kind of internet research. And I, I found this guy in St. Louis, my buddy, Bill, that, you know, I'm reading his profile, diagnosed, and I think he it was the early 90s before we even really had drugs. Um he was uh it said like 23 marathons and counting. Anyway, I long story short, this guy had been running a ton, he'd been diagnosed with MS for a long time, and I was like, This is someone I need to meet. Um, so I reached out to him, I connected with him, and and there were a few others I connected with, and basically what I learned were the, the the gentlemen and, and, and women as well, I, I connected mainly with men because MS can present a little differently for women versus men. So it made sense to surround, me, surround myself with people that were dealing with the same battle I was. And they were really active. They were bikers. They were runners. Uh, so I just started running. And trust me, I, I never understood how people could run for fun. Uh, biking was something that I always kind of enjoyed, but not to the point where I was like a, wearing spandex and a serious cyclist, which I, I find myself you know, I'm writing today and I laugh at myself every time I see myself in the mirror in that outfit, but, um, <laughs> you know, I started running a ton and, and I was looking at my stats since getting diagnosed. I've run, God, I think I've run 7,100 miles at this point, a little, little over that. Wow. I have biked, I, I don't know what the exact number is on biking. Um, I've done this all to raise awareness and money. I have run on the MS team, uh, in Chicago, Boston, and in New York for the, those marathons, going to London this October. I ran across the state of Ohio, which was in 2019. It was basically, well, almost across the state. It was 174 miles in six days. And we raised just shy of 30 grand there. Long story short, I've been a part of raising, you know, and, and this is not I've just been the one I've been the crazy person out there running and biking the support staff or the support group I've had donating and all those things. I, they were the like people who are like the heroes, but we've raised probably close to 225,000 at this point. Wow. Generated a ton of awareness. Um, this past winter, a, a buddy and I, Matthew, Matthew Porter, he also lives with them as he was diagnosed a couple years before I was, He's an avid ultra marathoner. He somehow talked me into trying to run from Jeff or St. Louis to Jeff city to a raise money and be, speak to our elected officials on behalf of Missourians living with MS to to talk about some uh, kind of like drug reform and some different things. So I don't know, I guess like the MS it's crazy. I would have never thought I would say this, but it's been such a blessing. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love to not have it. And I always tell people it's a club, I didn't really want to be in, but now that I'm in it, it's, 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 it's provided a lot of meaning in my life, I guess.
0: Absolutely. Well, yeah. You know, when we met, we talked about Matthew Porter because Matthew Porter has also been on this show. Uh, yep. I've known Matt for Matthew for a long time. And so, um, I think it's awesome what you guys are doing to raise awareness for MS, because to your point, there's a lot of people who have it that we probably don't even know have it. Right. Um, it's, it's, yeah, and I mean, there, there's, than- there's some,
1: and sorry to interrupt you, but there's a major stigma around it, right? And, and a lot of people I've connected with, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I own the business I work for, or I'm a co-owner, I have a business partner. So I don't have a problem talking about it. There's a lot of people that are scared to talk about it because they're afraid of what the employment implications might be, which A, is illegal, and B, is just not accurate. It, it's a different disease now. It's, it's pretty treatable. We've come a really long way. We're not all the way there yet. But, you know, to your point about people having it and us not knowing, it's, it's because of the stigma that's there. And I think it's really important to try to correct that if we
0: can Absolutely. Absolutely. And now for a quick break, we bring in our sponsor, Enterprise Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Enterprise Bank and Trust knows that every business and every person is unique. That's why they get to know you in a way that the large financial institutions don't. They are our banking partner here at the STL Leaders, and I highly recommend that you check them out. To learn more, visit enterprisebank.com. And now, back to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. Well, let's shift gears here a little bit. Let's talk about your leadership views. Um, Share with me kind of, you know, you mentioned earlier in this episode that you've always felt like you've been a leader where did you learn these leadership values, these leadership views? Were they from your family or were they, or has it just been a lot of, you know, coaches and in, in, in high school and, and things like that? Or where did, where did you learn how to be such a great leader? I think
1: mainly I, mainly
0: my parents um, and my family,
1: I think my parents got me the foundation and then I, I had a grandfather who was extremely influential in my life. Um, my, my other grandfather died at a, at a young age and, or when I was at a young age, I'm, I'm sure I, it, it's one of those things. Like when people ask, who would you love to have dinner with some, if you could pick anybody he would be there. Cause I didn't really get to know him and he sounded like a pretty amazing guy, but my grandfather on my mom's side was an incredible athlete. He's in the national hall of fame for refereeing. Actually. He was a great coach. He was an amazing trombone player. Just a, he was like the most well-rounded talented person probably, you know, that I've, I've met. And he always kind of encouraged me, like growing up, I, I wanted to be a, a, a wide receiver playing football. And to be honest, I think I probably would have been a lot better at it than I was as a quarterback. But my grandfather saw in me some sort of leadership characteristics, I, w- I guess I would call them. And he would just encourage me. He always encouraged me to take those positions. And hey, you know, you're, I, we didn't. I went to Catholic school. We didn't have football growing up. And so my freshman year, I remember going out to try out for the football team and uh, you know, everybody makes the high school football team as, as freshmen. They don't really cut, at least at, at my school, they didn't. But I was like, he was encouraging me to go try out for a specific position, a position that, you know, was a pretty important one on the field. And I think just that having that confidence from, from somebody that was so talented themselves and me just kind of built it in my, like built it into me that I I do have these characteristics. Um, and that maybe this was a a good kind of path for me. You know, I, would also say, I think some of it is innate and and look, I mean, don't, I, I definitely have imposter syndrome. I, I deal with all the things that everybody deals with, but I just, I, I don't know. I, I think some of that is just kind of in, in, in your makeup. And, and again, that probably comes down to, I guess, I don't know, some sort of genetics or, or whatever, but I just, again, but, but there's a negative side to all this too. Like, I don't like people telling me what to do. I don't, I I, I was a tough kid to coach growing up because I I was, I was getting like NFL level coaching analysis at dinner with my grandfather. And then I would go to freshman football practice and, and my freshman coach was amazing by the way, but I would be like debating things with him. And it, and it's just I, again not exactly what you want when you're a coach <laughs> out of your freshman, you know, fourteen-year-old pimple face. Yeah, no, you,
0: you definitely got to find the right balance there.
1: Telling you how to run the option play, so yeah, you know. But I, I would credit my, my, my absolutely my family. They 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 they've they've created the path for me and made it very easy for me.
0: What would you tell, uh, you know, if you were, if you're looking back on your career, and you know, right when you're graduating college, and let's say there's somebody listening to this episode today who's a young college kid, what would you tell them if they're aspiring to be a leader or inspiring, you know, aspiring to to get into that type of role, maybe within their organization they currently work for, maybe they have aspirations to be an entrepreneur like you, but what would you tell someone like that? I think it's there's a few things. I think like learn as much as you
1: can. I can't emphasize that enough. And, and not just about the specific, like whenever I see leaders in my organization that are great at what they do, they're people who learn about everything. They'll read a book about anything they find interesting. Like, I think just learning as much as you can is, is the first thing. Um, I think find, finding and nurturing mentorship. Um, and by nurturing, I mean like when you're asking somebody to go out of their way to kind of help you grow, you need to be willing to like ping them and almost be annoying to say, Hey, can we get coffee again this week? Can we get, you know, I, I have a, a I have several mentors, but there's an, a, a gentleman that, that I've connected with in the past year that lives in my building that he's a, he's retired. He's still doing some adjunct professor, like, you know, he's an adjunct professor, but this guy's a Harvard uh, econ grad. I, I would be crazy not to reach out to him weekly and be like, can I buy a coffee this week? <laughs> I want to talk. You're right. Uh, plus, he's just a really good guy. So I, I think finding that, that mentorship, but then knowing that it's on you to kind of nurture it. I think surrounding yourself with people smarter than you is is always the case. I was very average intelligence. I think um, I made I had an average ACT score. I I, I got good grades because I just worked hard. But you know, I i I'm, I'm I have no shame surrounding myself with people smarter than I am.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and then just
1: about- go ahead.
0: Yeah, I talk about on the show a lot that um, St. Louis is such a unique city in the fact that pretty much anybody, and I'm not going to say anybody, that's why I say pretty much anybody, but pretty much anybody, if you reach out to them and say, hey, I noticed on X, Y, and Z... Uh, that, you know, you, that I find something interesting, would you be willing to grab a cup of coffee with me? Most people will take you up on that, right? Don't, Absolutely. Try reach, don't try to reach out and sell them something. But if you're genuinely interested in meeting somebody and generally interested in like learning from them, I, I find it very, 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 very few times somebody will tell me no. Right. I, that was something my business
1: partner and I did early on when we were trying to start this agency. Cause I mean, we had no idea what hell we were doing. I mean, the business plan we wrote for ourselves came from one of those yellow, like for dummies books. It was called business <laughs> Plan kids for dummies. And you're, you're exactly right. Everyone we reach out to other agency owners and big names in town, Tom Townsend, uh, Nordy Cohen. I mean, all these guys that were, were like, pioneers, pioneers, yeah, pioneers in the ad space in this town would, would take time to meet with us. And it, all it took was an email, uh, you know, and, and maybe sometimes you don't hear back that first time. So the squeaky wheel gets the grease, you reach out again. Right. So, you know, I, I think that's what I would tell people. And just, you know, just, I, I really think that learning and reading just learn as much as you can. You're, you're, you're young and there's just, you have a blank canvas and cram as much in that brain as you can.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, John, I always end this podcast by asking my guests to leave us with a specific piece of advice. And that can be on business, that can be on leadership, it can be on just personal life and self. And so if you could leave us with one piece of advice today, what would it be?
1: I think I I would go with one of the best things I think that my business partner and I have done is we've trusted the people we've hired. We do not micromanage. We hire them. I mean, there's a reason you're hiring them, right? Um, empower your team, you hired them for a reason, get the hell out of the way and let them do their job. Um, I, I think that's like, and, and, and if you have people that you have to micromanage, you've probably hired the wrong people.
0: Right, so I, like
1: think, that. I think that's, that, that's the biggest thing I would tell others is just trust the people you have hired and let them do what you have hired them to do.
0: Yep. I agree. John, on behalf of the show and myself, I appreciate you taking the time today and sharing your story. Uh, we'll continue to uh, be look, praying for you and thinking about you with your MS, but I know you're fighting it. And, uh, I think what you're doing to raise awareness for it is fantastic. And we appreciate you, uh, as being a great STL leader here in St. Louis.
1: Well, I appreciate what you do, Brian really, really means a lot.